Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey everybody, this is Bill Manning. This is Studio C41. I have the gang with me, except for Michael. Michael is still doing business stuff. He actually never left uh, for like the past two weeks. Uh, I'm pretty sure he hasn't gone to sleep yet either. No, no. So, but he, he, I think his arm is still stuck in that fixer in that black and white machine. It may be giving him superpowers. (laughs) Well, after going to Dragon Con, you know, you would think that, uh, uh, he would come back with superpowers or or at least some kind of cold. So many people there. Oh man, there's usually the con crud they call it. But he didn't get sick this year, so I'm proud of him. Yeah, you know, actually got some sleep. Well, it's only been a couple days, so we'll see what happens. Fair enough. So, Stephen, man, how are you doing, man? I am doing well, Bill. Uh, Yeah, glad to be here, hanging out, excited. uh, Leaving in a few days to go shoot a wedding in uh, Banff National Park in Canada. So uh, sorry, I know it's terrible, but (laughs) I'm uh, so I'm doing all right. You know, cool. All right. Well, uh, we're going to jump right into it. We have Brent and Mark back from KEH Camera. Uh, We are here to talk about large format. And so we talked about it. Uh, I told you guys that uh, you had some homework. Uh, I recommended uh, picking up a few books, uh, the Ansel Adams books, you know, the the print, the negative, and the camera uh, in no particular order. I mean, those are really important uh, books that... uh, I highly recommend that you kind of dive into it, even if it's not large format. Um, I think um, a lot of the material, even though it was written 80 years ago, 90 years ago, it's still relative you know, to, to digital today. I mean, uh, Mark, you were saying last time. Just, just substitute, substitute digi- the words. Yeah, digital and it's the same principles are, yeah. are relative. To I mean, composition, exposure, seeing light, you know, that's... None of that changes. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so uh, back into large format. Um, it's very different to 120 film uh, because it is not roll. It's sheet film. Um, so there there are a couple different sizes of sheet film. Um, so technically large format is anything larger than uh, six by nine, pretty much. So uh, last week you guys brought in that um, six by 17 uh, yes. film. So technically it was rolled, but it's still considered large format. Right. Um, but uh, the large format uh, comes in sizes of four by five, five by seven, uh, eight by ten and eleven by fourteen. Those are the most common sizes, and uh, I, I do. I think they have some other different sizes. I think is that are they not did. as known. They, they actually had a twenty by thirty size film. And twenty I, by it's thirty, a huge camera. Yeah, there's um, not to cut you off, but the Polaroid twenty by twenty four camera. Right. Oh my gosh! Um, it's still it, it's still still shooting it. They actually had it here earlier this year at a gallery where they were doing limited, like you could do a sitting with it and everything, and oh, it's. It's just a beautiful work of art in itself. But yeah, and then there's also like you were saying a 20 by 30 camera. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing camera. I saw it at one of the PMA shows that was just spectacular. It was probably 10 or 15 years ago, but it was, it definitely stands out. Wow. Sure. I mean, I think historically you could even find, they would call them portrait um, cameras, the, the ones that had a, uh, or a panoramic um, format. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I actually have some of the film holders that are like, I don't know, twelve by twenty or twenty-four or something like that, and you can, you know, have those as sheet film. They made all kinds of different sizes. Yeah. Well, and you can still to there's there's the standard sizes like you were saying, Bill, Bill that we're used to four by five and eight by ten being the most common. But mm-hmm. I know um, Ilford does every year where they do a uh, special order of ultra large format. They call it so that's anything above. 11 by 14 is ultra large or odd sizes. So pretty much any size film you want, you can get, if Ilford makes it as a film stock, they'll cut it specifically for you for that. So they have standard things where you can do customs. And um, I know Kodak does limited runs of ultra large format stuff as well. So some films you can get 11 by 14 and I think 16 by 20, but because as the film world's getting smaller and more close knit, it's easier to get custom stuff done. For sure. Well, but and I think the, the the thing to point out about it is, yeah, it was in sheet form, but you had to have a film holder yep. to yep. put it in. The film holders typically had 
two sides to them. So you could put two sheets of film. You had to do it and put it in in complete darkness because it was sensitive to all kinds of light. And when you were out photographing, you had to have a number of film holders loaded and and ready to go. I mean, and I think that um, for me, I would travel if I was out in the Southwest and you either had a what's called a changing bag, which was a light tight bag that you could put your hands in, yep. and you could actually go in and load film holders uh, or take or unload film holders, and then you'd have to have boxes, film boxes that you'd actually have to put the film in to keep it light tight before you could take it home and and process it. Or or for many times I would go, you'd be in a hotel room and you'd be going to the bathroom and basically seal off, you'd turn off the lights in the room at night, seal off the door and then and then download your your um, film holders and load yeah. them. And the biggest problem was dust. So sure, if you yeah. didn't do it, if you, or you didn't do it in a, in, a, in a place, if it had a lot of dust, you were going to get dust on your film and that would then mean retouching when you actually had to go make a print right and the thing with those is too like unlike roll film if you have a piece of dust in there it's not moving it's not going anywhere hey i think we're live on some social media right now how about that so geez now i think yes keh has us on uh instagram so if anybody's hearing this it's not going to be live anymore but now now i think we're all very aware of how much we've been slouching and just kind of like sitting here but uh yeah so put my makeup on i'm gonna go do a few push-ups and be right back and uh so anyway but but I mean, the other thing was that you were talking about Polaroid. I mean, they made Polaroid backs for the for the view Polaroid. cameras. So you, oh yeah, you know, we'd we'd use those as a way to test exposure. Mm. Uh, we'd use a light meter to measure exposure, but we'd use the Polaroid to test what we were actually photographing. And some of the Polaroid yeah. was black and white, positive, negative. Yeah. So you could shoot that and oh, actually the, have a black and white negative. Type fifty five. I I got to beautiful. shoot that in. Uh, in school when pol- and the film was still in production, kind of like one of the last couple of years of it. And it's just the most beautiful black and white film I've ever seen is the negative you get from type 55. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, Ansel Adams actually has a, a book that he, he does, did just yeah. with, with that. But then the other thing was Kodak. And then I think later Fuji came out with what Kodak called them ever ready packs. Oh yeah. The ready load, yeah. ready yeah, loads. Right. That. All right. And and so you had a you know a sheet of four by five film that you could use in a Polaroid holder, but you then didn't have to load film holders and unload them. Uh, so you put them. Okay. It was you know you put it in the the Polaroid. Mm-hmm. You pulled it out. You exposed it. You pushed it back again and took it out. And now you had your film that was exposed uh, that yeah. was in a in, in you know encased in a light tight uh, enclosure. And then you'd take it back to the dark room and and process it, so you didn't have to worry about loading film holders right. anymore and dust. And that you know would come out. And I think they had it in 100 speed, 400 speed. Wow. I never used color negative, but I'm sure they had. Oh that. yeah, yeah, they did. It was uh, you can still find on uh, expired um, packs of it and stuff on eBay. I can't. I think it was probably the early 2000s when they stopped making it. But uh, yeah, it was basically a self-contained uh, film holder. And there you didn't, like you said, you didn't have to swap out. And I still see those when we're doing buying events on occasion. Uh, yeah, People still cool. have them. I know there's a few. We've talked about Jason Lee on this podcast earlier, and he shot a lot of large format stuff, and he loves the the ready load or the quick load mm-hmm. stuff. I've got to want to start talking about these cameras and more large format in general, but um, New 55, which are the guys who tried to invent a new Type 55 film, um, which has been unfortunately not super successful at that, but they do sell um, their own version of like a ready or quick load film. And they have yep. a few different stocks that they've actually taken. They'll put it in a ready-to-load pack for you. So that's something that they still sell. Even I don't think they're going to be able to continue with the positive-negative film because they run out of material. But I'm pretty sure they're going to keep uh, keep selling the quick-load or ready-to-load film. So if that piques anybody's interest, um, New 55 is a great place to check out for that. And they, they basically are taking... There's an upcharge in it, but they're taking like Portra 400 and Ektar 100 and T-Max and all these sheet films that are available now and putting them into those ready load packets for oh, that's you. that's fantastic. So you still have that option. It's just not exactly the same as it was. Yeah. And it's if the more people who actually get on there and buy it, the more they'll do it. So that's definitely a, uh, if you want it, go out and buy some of it right now, that thing. Cool. So we're going to jump into uh, the actual large format. Um, 
camera itself. So um, there, there just certainly more to it than your traditional SLRs. Um, there's actually, I pretty much call it the whole anatomy. I, I guess, would you guys agree that there, there's like just a complete Gray's anatomy to, to a large format as Brent pulls up this massive eight by 10. Things beautiful. Well, but you know, in a, in a sense though, it's pretty simple. It is. I mean, it looks like it. I mean, when you look at these wooden field cameras and you see the, the brass and the bellows and, but the real in the, in the movements, but the reality is it's, it's a pretty simple camera. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, really to start talking about it, looking here, I mean, we all, or not, we all, <laughs> In a sense, because nobody does this anymore, but a lot of us learned photography, and the first thing we did was make a pinhole camera. Oh, I definitely did yeah. that in school. And yeah. so, you know, you did it with a with a oatmeal box yep. or something like yeah, that, exactly. right? So, I mean, here they and they still make these. This is a this is a, a a wooden pinhole camera, right? It's a it's it's a six inch focal length, and you've got a way to to actually, you know, put film holders in here, right? Nice and. On the other hand, you've got your lens, which is a, here, the shutter is this, <laughs> open it and close it. And it looks like a little uh, mailbox envelope flag. That, right. Uh, that's what I mean. And it's a, me- it's a metal um, uh, disc in there with a pinhole. Mm-hmm. This is, this particular one, the, the pinhole size is 0.017. <laughs> this is a six inch focal length and, and the f-stop on here is 300, f-352. So find a light meter that stops down to that. <laughs> right. There's a lot of calculations involved. And, and, yeah, well, yeah, the, sure. the, the, the calculations on the instruction sheet with 400-speed film said uh, exposures between 9 and 14 seconds. So, I mean, and, but this is a basic view, uh, large format camera. Yeah. So how, uh, do you guys have something like this in your inventory? This is, is actually it? out of our inventory. Oh, cool. uh, this one... Believe it or not, these are pretty inexpensive. This is only about seventy-three dollars. Wow! So it's a very affordable way to get into large format. Yeah, and pinhole is really cool. I, I've never. Uh, so there is a um, the Elfster uh, Christmas Se- Secret Santa. Group. Oh, the Emulsive.org. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to send a uh, a link on that because that, I did that last year. It was really cool. Somebody sent me a book on pin- pinhole cameras. And uh, I, I read through it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is actually really cool. And so I, that I might have to throw into my arsenal just to, just well, to and, learn. And, and to know? explain to people that are listening that yeah. nev- never used it. I mean, there's no focusing mechanism nope. on this. Uh, with, a, with a very small uh, aperture, the, the depth of focus is pretty much from so the front deep. of the camera to, to infinity. Right. And so, um, and the neat thing about this is that it had two way, you know, you can do a horizontal mm-hmm. or vertical by how you put it on the tripod, but yeah. I mean, this is a, that's a pretty basic camera. Yeah. And, and there's not much. <coughs> and, and there's not much that goes into it. Um, you know, there's, there's no bellows. So this is, I'll jump into the, uh, the, the anatomy of it, but there's no bellows to it. I mean, there's no cocking the shutter and figuring out your shutter speed or your aperture. Like you said, it's all set. You just open it, count down, and then you just close the shutter and then you you change out the film at that point right. and, and undercover. So, yeah, I mean the, the whole appeal for a lot of people who shoot pinholes and there's other manufacturers of them too, that just these beautiful wooden things and really fine, like laser drilled holes and mm-hmm. is just the, that kind of, that set it and forget it mentality of like taking away, like all of the things that get in the way of just making an image, you know? So, yep. so there's something to be said for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then we kind of jump into the uh, field cameras. Um, so Mark, you have one right in front of you. Uh, which one is this one exactly? This is the Wista, a wooden field camera. This is a pretty basic model. Um, I think it might be cherry wood. Uh, mm-hmm. This is my personal camera. So I've been using this for probably since the eighties, the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it folds up nice and flat. Mm-hmm. It, I have three lenses with it, a 90 millimeter, 150 millimeter and 210 millimeter. Um, you know, I did a lot of work with this. I mean, I, for, I learned on a four by five. This is what I took with me because if I was going to be hiking someplace uh, you know, some of the bigger or metal uh, view cameras yeah. just weren't, you know, I wasn't going to carry those. So, you know, you'd have this and this, and I have a little case back there that held the three lenses. And then I had another small case with four by five film holders that were preloaded. 
Cool. So on, on the field cameras, um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the, um, the format of it as far as the anatomy. So, um, it's kind of broken up. Uh, we'll kind of start at the front. So you have the front standard and, uh, in the front standard, that is where you have a lens board. And so your lens actually mounts into the, uh, the lens board and, uh, um, uh, it's actually really neat because you can actually change out lenses as, as Mark was saying earlier, you can actually switch to, um, you know, a telephoto and, you know, uh, I'd say 210 is more of a mid range, right? Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask Mark, uh, yeah. what's the kind of equivalent of these? And it, it all depends. We were talking la- in the last uh, episode about how focal lengths, the bigger the film plane, the, you know, basically the smaller the focal length really is. Yep. Um, so what's, what are your equivalents to like 35 millimeter on here? And I'm sure somebody has got a chart. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah I of always, course I there's, there's a chart on the internet somewhere. I, I I've always equated to 150 was more like a 50 millimeter lens. Okay. On a okay. 35 yeah. millimeter. The 90 was more like a 24, 28 yeah, and the 210 was more like a 100 to 135. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, I mean, the, the thing to remember with using a view camera is to, to be able to, you have to take the equivalent in millimeters, convert mm-hmm. it to inches. I mean, and that's how much draw you had to have on your bellows to be able yep. to focus it. And then to even get closer, you had to be able to extend your bellows even further, the closer you got to something to focus on. Yep. And it's kind of backwards too, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to add an extension for something to get up closer. I mean, I think one, one thing, you know, if you've never used a view camera or had one of these holders is that these, these lenses, you know, the, these are standardized holders. This is actually a Linhof uh, holder that would also fit the, the Wista. But to put this on, there was a ring here and, and retaining ring. And I, and that was always the, the key. You had to have the spanner wrench mm-hmm. that actually be, was able to get you in there and be able to turn this and lock it down. Yep. And it wasn't something you, you could have one, one holder and constantly change out your lenses. But most people bought a holder for a lens holder for each lens so that all you had to do was put it on and put it and put it off. Right. And, and different lenses have different sizes. Like, uh, for example, um, I believe the Fuji is a Copal Zero, if I remember correctly. You mean as far as the size of the lens board, or the le- the hole in the lens board, so that you can screw the actual uh, lens into? So there's different sizes, like there's Copal Zero, One, Two, and Three, and then there's all- another form of uh, uh, lenses out there that are called Compor lenses, um, and uh, they have a different set of sizes as well. Um, so the mechanism in, in each of them are, are slightly different. So the way that they mount in the lens board is different. Um, so what that would do is once you have the lens board mounted uh, into the front standard, it would project an image circle onto the rear standard, which holds the ground glass. And so um, essentially the ground glass is just a rectangle within a large circle. And so uh you're allowed to do what are now we're kind of jumping into now calling movements. Well, I think maybe before we go to that yeah. though, I mean, for people listening to this, I don't know, mm-hmm. is that you're focusing the image yes. on the ground glass and, and the image is upside down and backwards. Yeah. There's no mirror, <laughs> and, no prism. No. And, and to, yep. to actually see it, you have to have a cloth, a yes. dark cloth over your head Thank you. to, 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 you know, block out all the other lights. So when you're looking at this, just on a, on a standard focus, you need to to be able to see that that ground glass and do the focus. Yeah, and also too, just for anybody who hasn't ever picked one of these cameras up, the what we're used to on you know 35 millimeter, even medium format SLRs, the traditionally the focusing is done inside the lens. In this, all of the focus is done by the bellows on the camera. Right. Yep. So instead of moving the elements of the lens back and forth towards or further away from your subject, you're f- physically moving the lens closer or further, or further away, away with yeah. those those leather bellows, typically. And, and, and I think the other thing to understand, again, for people who've never used a view camera, is that your shutter speed, your shutter and your f-stop are built into the lens. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're... you're you, you've got your, in, the, in this case, we're going from bulb 
as long as you want to hold it open one second, all the way up to five hundredth of a second. That's and, pretty quick for a large format, right? And the f the f stop on this one was five point six as the maximum aperture, uh, down to f sixty four as the minimum a- aperture. Right. So you know you you had a, a, a it's you know spring loaded you you you'd hit it and then you you take the picture. Um, you can do that. Uh, typically, they use a, a cable release, a mechanical cable release right. to do that. So I mean that's the basics of a camera. Now there's you were asking about movement. Oh, yeah. Go now, ahead. I was going to say on these lenses also, you have a T setting. And, and by yes. putting it into that T mode, you can actually trip the shutter. Then by hitting the shutter release again, it'll actually close it up so you can do some long time exposure. Exposure. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they're actually had, uh, you know, you could actually open up the, 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 the F stop. So you could, you know, focus and look at everything wide with a wide open as much light as you could get in right. the ground glass and then you could stop it down and actually look to see where you were focused where you getting right. depth of field from the front to the back of your image well and that's that's the thing too with these cameras is that everything is manual um and that was always i got to use these in school so when we were talking before we started recording it's been a while since i've shot a large format bill actually shot one recently earlier this year yeah um but uh that like everything, there's all these different steps. You have to be so mindful of your process and so slowed down. For starters, you're shooting one frame of film at a time. Like yeah. you said, those film holders, maybe you'd get two shots, but even one so, side, exactly. Right. Yeah. Everything is like having to, you're taking half an hour, an hour maybe to set up your shot sometimes. It's very slow and very deliberate. And all the little things, you have to have the lens open to see anything through the camera at all. Right. It's not like in an SLR where, oh, it's got a mirror, you pull it up and it's already got the iris open. It's all knows what to do already for that. And then when you hit the shutter, it automatically closes, flaps the shutter up and down. And this, if, if you stick your film in and pull out your dark slide on your film holder and you've forgotten to close the iris back down on your lens, you've just sure. wrecked your film. Yeah. Or if you are, you want to be able to have your aperture on its widest on your lens to view and compose your shot to see the most light. Yeah. But then if you forget to change it back to the aperture you're actually wanting to shoot at, again, right. you're messing up your film. Well, so, well, And another thing that would happen was that the, these, the backs that hold the film holders are spring loaded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you put back in there, you know, you can get it to lock. And then there, there was a little, uh, lever that you'd move over to pull the dark slide out of the mm-hmm. uh, out of out of your film holder problem is sometimes as you were pulling things you actually pulled a little bit back on 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 the on the holder which would then get give you light leaks which you didn't know about yeah. until you developed the film so you know we're in this day and age now where we can shoot a ton of pictures look at you know look at them on the, on, the, on the back of our DSLR and make adjustments and figure out did we get it or not right this was <laughs> you needed to, and not only did you need to be able to get it within a couple shots, but because processing sheet film was a much more time intensive oh, yeah. right. event, you were going to be shooting 30, 40, 50 shots of something. I mean, you know, you, you do a trip out West for a week in the Southwest oh, and, and you might come back with 50 or 60 I- images. And that's a lot. Right. For and, and, and you'd have two exposures of each in case something got ruined. Right. right. So yeah, it was a more deliberate process, which, which I think, for me, at least, helped me in terms of composition and making photographs. That said, it slowed me down. Exactly. You know, there's there's the. It, I started seeing slowly. It forced you to do that mm-hmm. rather than pick up a camera. I see something and I just start hitting the button and I, you know, I'm done. Yeah. My, my biggest problem uh, when so I took my four by five out into the the midwest and everything i had a whole bunch of film loaded up and everything and the problem was is that it's such an attention grabber that people just want to talk to me sure and then i'm in the middle of doing something and i completely forgotten it. like <laughs> we were joking around i was like oops squirrel you know i'm sitting there going wait a minute what step was that at and then most likely i left the iris wide open and then i go and then you know michael helps me out with developing and goes what were you thinking here i was like oh that was when I was distracted. I saw yeah. one of those frames that yeah. you still had somewhat of an image on there, but there was a whole lot of blur. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it, you really have to pay attention to each of the different steps. Um, I, I I'll post a uh, link, um, in the show description and everything as far as like, I think it's like a 12 step process, but you know, it seems like it's a lot, but I mean, it, it's, you know, it's like, Oh, step one, 
open up the iris so that you're, you know, projecting onto the ground glass. And, and so what I was going to mention is that F5.6 is pretty darn wide. Uh, you're, you might see a, a very rare couple that are wider than 5.6. Um, and the reason is for not so much, um, shooting wide open, but, um, for letting the light in to focus on the ground glass because, um, there, there are some lenses that are like F8 and, uh, you have from F5.6 to F8, that's a whole stop of light. That's a lot of light that you're losing. And it's really tough. Like if you're going to be composing like at dusk or something like that, it's really tough to, to compose that shot. And generally you're supposed to, you know, set it up and then you leave the camera sitting there, you know, when the time is right to shoot it. You know, there's a lot of waiting around when you're shooting. It does make you for sure. Think about that. You know, when in, you've got the making of 40 pictures here by Ansel Adams too, just thinking about how much he wrote about waiting for the right shot. He would set and compose and then he'd just be standing in a spot in Yosemite for a couple of hours waiting for the storm to clear or whatever it may be. Right. Well, and, And the thing is, while that holds true for, four by five or you know, view cameras, it really holds true for us using digital. Oh, cameras. absolutely. Yeah. Except people don't do that mm-hmm. because they don't have the patience to yeah. sit there and they need to, I, I need to move on to some other place. Right? Yeah. Right. I think that that's, there's absolute merit. Again, we were talking the last time about how having 12 or 10 or 16 frames slows you down. This slows you down so much more. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, really there's something to be said to, to say, I'm going to photograph and I only have, this many exposures. So I really think more about what it is I'm photographing Mm -hmm. and what I'm doing to make. And I just, as you were talking about this, I just looked at my lenses, all these are five sixes. So I mean, typically you were either, and five sixes were the more expensive lenses. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you wanted a a less expensive version. You got the F eight. Right. But you were, I mean, I'm always stopping down to F 32. Right. To photograph, but yeah. And I did want to bill. I'm sorry. I haven't seen the show notes, but um, I was going to wanted to, I'm very curious just about lenses. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that more a little bit later. What did you just let me know what's good? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 actually kind of on that topic right okay. now. So, it, it, what I was going to also mention is that depth of field is very different on on four by five. It's naturally just much shallower um, when, when in comparison to like a thirty five millimeter because um, you you shoot at f five point six. I hope you love bokeh because <laughs> that is, I mean, yeah. it's pretty much all bokeh in, in, in at f5.6. Uh, that's, and that's part of the reason why um, in large format, you generally want to step down to, you know, the f32. And then if you really want to join the f64 club on that, <laughs> you know, right. um, you, you kind of have to, you know. I mean, you can make some crazy ethereal like portraits <laughs> though, shooting wide open on a, yeah. on a view camera for it, sure. Yeah, I mean, when I first got it, I, and I kind of had a general idea. I was like, oh, okay, you really need to stop down. So um, my cat was sleeping and I was like, oh, okay, let me, I'm going to set up my camera and he won't, you know, he doesn't get startled all that easily. So I went to go and he was in focus and everything. I was like, all right. So I dropped the f- film holder in and then I went to go expose and he just shifted his head just ever so slightly. And again, this was like at F16 and I was like, okay, I'm thinking in terms of 35 millimeter at that point, everything should be pretty much in focus at that point. And his face was like totally blown out. I mean, like his body was in focus and everything like that, but like just the slightest move in his face was like completely blurred out. I was like, wow. I mean, that just completely changed my perspective on like how delicate depth of field is on four by five. And even it's even more when you're up at eight by 10 and you know, the larger formats. So, um, but Steven, I know you, you want to kind of dive in and learn a little bit yeah, more. What, what, for sure. what questions you got, man? Well, so the thing about like this, and we were talking about how lenses, you know, mount on lens boards here. Yeah. But so the thing about a large format is you aren't dealing with like, you know, say you've got a, uh, uh, whether it may be like a, a Vista camera or a uh, Wista, excuse me, or um, uh, whoever, Deerdorf or whoever made the camera. Mm-hmm we're so used to lens systems on cameras. Like you shoot a Canon camera, you need a Canon lens or even in like medium format, the Mamiya mount for the Mamiya seven mount is different than the Mamiya six, four, five mount. Um, and there's different size lenses that are designed for that are made to fit like an eight by 10 or 11 by 14 camera. But mm. 
you aren't married to the brand of lens for your camera. Most of the time, too, the manufacturers of the cameras don't even make lenses. That's right. 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 Uh, The only caveat to it uh, are the different types of lens boards that the lenses are are mounted into. So, like, uh, which one is this one, Mark, that you have, these lens boards? The the Wista was the same. They use the same mount as the Linhoff, Linhoff board. Okay. Okay. And so I think those are Copal sh- shutters, aren't they? Yes, I believe those are. So yeah, but the the the, the shutter wasn't in the board. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. But you're talking about the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you can buy these things in all different openings. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you could take any lens. Yep. And as long as you got, if you, as long as you bought the the board that fits your camera on the lens board that had the opening that you needed to, you just use the ring and put it on there and you could use it on your camera or multiple cameras. Right. So, I mean, so, some people I knew, I mean, there were things like they might have, uh, you know, we're looking at the eight by 10 now, they might have a holder here that would hold the Linhoff board. Yeah. So oh, I didn't wow. even have to okay. take it off my board. I could just put it right in here. The, the caveat to all this is, were you buying a lens that was going to be able to, to have coverage over the size of the film that you're getting. right, so that's the other. I mean, what the the, the more area it covered, yep, the more expensive it was. Mm, gotcha. Right, so I mean, this might be fine for a four by five, but it wouldn't fit this. Right, I mean, we're you know the lens projects a, a circular image, and we're trying to put a re- we're only using a rectangle inside of it. And I think one of the things we didn't we haven't talked about yet <laughs> really is the ability for these cameras whether it's depth of field where we right. have the ability for the front standard where the lens holds to be able to, to, to shift it to actually, you know, if, if, if we're looking at a line that's going sort of in a 45 degree angle away from us, we could actually take that front standard and move it in that same direction so that we have sharpness from the front of that to the back, to the back of it. Right. Yeah. That's, it, it wasn't just stopping it down. Mm-hmm. You could actually by adjusting the front, the lens, you mm. could actually get more. You, you can t- tip it forward. You could tip it backwards if you're looking up, and you could raise it. I mean, you you, you had your camera set up, but you wanted a little bit more the image to go up a little bit right. higher. Mm-hmm. You could raise the front standard a little bit, but it was all dependent on the coverage of the lens you had. Gotcha. Because if if you if you went too high, you'd start getting lens fall off. Right. Of, of that. And, and many of these cameras, if you look at them, have, if you look at the back of this, you, you can see that it has little cutouts yep. mm-hmm. and ground glass. So if you were, if you had any question, did you go too far? You could just look at the back of, through that little hole. And if you didn't see any image, you know, you've gone too far. Ah, okay. Interesting. I didn't even know that. That's cool. So uh, it's, it's interesting when you start looking at these. It's it's basically a big tilt shift lens. Exactly. Yes. Right. I, I was going to say that that's that's the idea of a tilt shift lens. If anybody has ever shot with one of those on a modern SLR, that's all based off of these cameras. Yeah, tilt and shift are just two of the movements that uh, you get um, when you're when dealing with that rectangle within the the circle that that's projected on the ground glass. So um, we're now getting into the camera movements. You have your rise, fall, uh, shift, tilt, and swing. Um, So depending on the type of uh, large format camera you have, some of the uh, different movements aren't uh, available. So I think, for example, uh, swing is not uh, available on the uh, field cameras, correct? Well, on the front it is. Okay, on the front. And actually... And actually on the back, too, you can flip these over and you can. Oh, OK, so yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. OK. So, 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 I mean, a lot of it was did. was you know, when you were looking to buy a, a, a large format camera, mm-hmm. what what was it that you're going to do with it? Right. Sure. Right. I mean, some of the like speed graphics. Yeah. I was going to say don't like have the don't have the back. Don't right. Have don't have that. Those. Right. So, I mean, when 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 you were making this decision, you had to ask yourself, you know, Am, am I going to be using this to do a lot of buildings and I want to really uh, straighten out the, the, the lines in the, yeah. in, in the architecture or am I photographing people or I'm doing landscapes or it's not quite as, as uh, you know, so, I mean, we have these fuel cameras and then Brent over here has the monorail cameras that ha- have even more movement yes. on them. And, and while you would use these in 
architecture, but you'd also use them in the studio where you're photographing products that yep. you needed to be able to straighten out the lines uh, and get more depth of field. I mean, now it's easy. Like you said, we've tilt shift lenses. You, you make a photograph and you put it in the Lightroom and you can almost have the same ability in Lightroom to straighten out your photographs now. Right. Back then you didn't have that. So sure. you had to have it on the on on your negative. I mean, and I've seen I've never tried it, but some people also kinda summon largers um in the dark room. You could actually basically oh, cool. a, do the same thing as you're doing in Lightroom to adjust like a horizon or perspective. To, to an extent, yeah. Yeah, by, by wow. just tilting, this, just changing that projection of light. And before we get off the, the, the these cameras, in a sense, mm-hmm. the part of, I mean, the other thing you have to realize is that you could actually put different ground glass on uh, here. Okay, so oh, yeah. I mean, different edgings. Yeah, like so that. you had, I mean, this one you'll see has a grid pattern on it, yep. right? So mm-hmm. you could, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the kind that this I've one, shot before. Th- this one doesn't. So, I mean, there were all these accessories that you had mm-hmm. that you could, depending on what kind of work you were doing, that gave you, um, you know, we talked before we started recording that, you know, the Playboy centerfolds were done on 11 by 14 cameras and then the back of that camera, they they block off the exact proportions of what the centerfold was, whatever, how many inches right. by whatever inches. And that's all they would shoot on this 11 by 14 piece of film. They would shoot for the, but they could, they could have it blocked, blocked off on the, on the back. Uh, oh, cool. And I know some cameras have um, reducing backs. Right. Where you can, so like if you have an 8x10 camera, but you want to shoot 4x5 film. You could do that. You can put that in and 4x5 area ground glass so you see what you're shooting. And you can put that smaller well, film holder in. And- but but you can also, on many, on many of them, you're able to put roll film backs on them. Yeah, that's 120 the roll, you know, 6x9. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. It's almost whatever you wanted to shoot on them, you could. I mean, and there were even, there were even you know, view cameras that were two and a quarter by three and a quarter. Yep. Yeah. Like Horseman, I think yeah. still up until they might yeah. still have them new, but up until recently you could still get those yeah. that were shooting on roll film. But no, no, I'm saying that they also made sheet film at two and a quarter, three and a quarter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's you know, something Horseman that you did can, it. Linhoff did it. Speed graphic. That is something mm-hmm. that you can still get on those limited, like the, mm-hmm. the special order film uh, run. Okay. Ilford will still cut that for you. Wow. That, um, do they do that only in bulk? Like you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to get like five sheets of that. Or anything I think like it's not as bulk as you'd think. That's why uh, they only okay. do it once a year. Like you can order like a pack of like 20 sheets or something like okay. that. Or I, I'm, I, I can't, I've looked at the order form mm. just to look at it and dream, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I can't recall what the pricing is, but it's not outrageous. It's not like you have to order an entire uh, case okay. of that film. You can gotcha. be like, Hey, Ilford, I want 20 sheets in, 17 by three. Can you make that for me? And they're like, sure, here you go. On One time a year. You, if you are adventurous, you could also cut it in the dark. I'm not that adventurous, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Talk Might about like dust and, and scratches and everything too. I mean, geez. I would just need to order a lot more than 20 because I know the first 19 would be messed up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Try right. something stupid. I mean, yeah. again, you know, thinking about, thinking about this as a photographer and we're talking about loading these film, these film holders is that, Every film had a had a, a notch system mm-hmm. on yep. it. Yep. I mean, so you're in the dark and you have to be able to figure out which side you have to put into the film holder so that the emulsion side was facing outward. Top right, bottom left? Yeah. Okay. And, and so and so you're right. But but you know, Triax had I think three triangles, right? Yep. But every mm-hmm. every type of film by every manufacturer had a, a separate yep. code that you so you were in the dark and you could feel that as you were loading it. Which yep. all those notches, people have started making like databases of them on the internet. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. ever somebody gives you a box of film, large format, and they don't know what's inside of it, you can take it in the dark, fill those notches, and then go look it up. So it's braille for photographers. It right. really, yeah. really is. And that's what I was just mentioning. If you're ever loading the film, you know that your emulsion of the film is facing the right direction, like towards your lens. Yep. If the notches are in the top right of the film or the bottom left of the film. Right. And I, I think if I remember, I mean, I guess there's no really wrong way as far as loading, uh, whether it's top right or bottom left. But for me, it's easier for me to remember top right because um, uh, just you kind of, develop a system for yourself and so um i think the first time i didn't really realize that and i put the emulsion in backwards Mm. um which kind of ended up 
giving this like really cool underexposed, you know. I mean, if you're shooting on color negative, you'll get a red scale effect. So I think the other thing is, I mean, I think everybody I know always put it in the top right. Yeah. Because number one, it was easier to load. You wouldn't catch the notches Mm, as you're trying to put them underneath the the little holders in the dark. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you ever like forgot what you had in your film home, Yes, you just that's go right. Dark room. That's but I mean, these film holders also had white areas on it. So you can mark on there, Tri-X, right? Yep. And then for me, I was using black and white. Depending on the the exposure I'd give it and the, and the brightness of the scene, I'd give it either normal development, minus development, plus development. Right. And I could put that on there yeah. so that when I would get back to my hotel room, I'd have a box that would be marked a film box that was marked normal one was then plus one one and minus one and so then i could be able to take those and put them into the correct boxes to take them back home and process them correctly for sure that's something that that i I meant to talk about and thank you for for bringing it back up that that is one big advantage with large format and bill was letting me know that we're running out of time tonight so but that is a big advantage with large format is you because you're shooting each frame individually you can process each frame individually. Yes. You don't have to do like unleaven like a roll of medium format. If you're pushing the whole, uh, pushing one frame, you're pushing the whole roll. If you are wanting exact for the processing or however it is with four by five, you could, like you said, you can do a variety of exposures or a variety of processing techniques. And, and that's something even like Ansel talks a lot about in the negative and everything too, of like he would mm. have different, even use different developer film combinations for sure. how he wanted the scene to come out. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. It takes well, that, and, that. And there was also a level. certain dark green filter, very dark green that you could actually d- develop by inspection. So he talks about that where you could, as you're processing it and you could look at it, under this very very dark green light, really, so and almost then, like you're like a print in the yeah, same kind of aspect. Then you can, yeah, you can continue to, you know, uh, continue the process yeah. if it wasn't if you didn't have enough detail in your shadow. Wow, because that's... you're right. I mean, typically the shadow develops first, mm-hmm. and the in the cutting back of the development or extending it really really affects the highlights. Sure, yeah, that's something that like I I never. I was always terrified of scratching my sheet film. Um, and so in school, they would tell us like, oh, here's the way to process it by hand in trays. Um, I just ended up getting a daylight processing tank, right. which is so much more convenient, um, especially now there's a company called Mod 4x5 or Mod 4.5 that goes inside like Patterson plastic developing tanks for anybody who does home darkroom stuff. Oh, cool. That basically just has little notches. It doesn't use, use the same amount of chemistry as doing like, two rolls of 120 and so it's super easy to use and process and a whole lot less daunting you don't have to have a totally dark room to be able to process four by five film at home um but then you do lose that ability of handling each sheet individually and getting to get really really customized with it yeah so um we're we're, we're kind of closing it down um uh, we're going to So what we're going to do is, um, Brent, you have uh, another special discount for everybody, I think, right? Uh, we sure do. Yeah, this is yeah. going to be for anything that's going to be large format. So it's going to include the bodies, the lenses. Uh, it's also going to include any accessories. So that means if you need a film back, uh, back bellows, anything like that, we're going to give you 15% off until the end of this month, which is September. Okay, cool. And awesome. I'll give you the codes to use in the show notes, but mm-hmm. the uh, promo code that you need for this, and it starts immediately, is C41-0917. So please um, use it. Check <laughs> out KEH.com. There there's yeah. lots of great um, deals on there on this equipment, and there's a huge variety of it, of it out there. Yeah. So we talked about a number of different cameras, and even the pinhole camera is actually out of our oh, inventory. Cool. So this will go back in. Hopefully it'll be available as soon as the podcast goes live. Nice. And cool. First come, first serve. I yeah. feel like uh, we could have just barely scratched the surface, too, for anybody listening. There's yeah. so many varieties of these cameras. We didn't talk about press cameras like Graflex, you know, and yeah. speed graphic cameras, too. So there's there's a wealth of options. And um, I know you probably want to land this plane bill, but... Well, um, <laughs> let me just yeah, throw ahead. in, too, though, that, I mean, we're always looking to buy these, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if people have them out there and people aren't using them, yeah, we're, very good point. We're, 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 we, this is a big part of our 
our inventory and we're more than happy to to buy them so if people yeah, are you know for sure yeah these guys us. these guys know their stuff you can call them you can go online or follow them on social media because they are doing buying events probably near you brent will be out there somewhere in you know middle of like you know uh some obscure town in wyoming hanging out looking for cameras <laughs> i'm actually going to montana this um, hey, december so it there should you be go. interesting. so he'll be there if you got got a camera sitting around you don't want to try to worry about shipping it or whatever it may be come hang out with brent he's a good he's good people definitely if you if you go to our um, facebook page we actually have a list of shows that are coming up so you can kind of see oh, where cool. they're going to be nice that's uh, kind of a nice way if you have questions, you can always call us. We'll be happy to tell you where we're going to be. Uh, it's a different experience than sending in the equipment. You do get the money, or we'll write you a check right there on the spot. And um, we have been all over the place. Uh, right now, we're doing a lot of stuff in Canada. Uh, we're typically in California, Texas, and Georgia, which is our, our main bases that we, we work out of. Um, but we even have plans to go into Mexico this um, fall. Oh, cool. So it's kind of Very exciting. Cool. And, um, and, and to add, we're also, with me coming on board, we're starting, starting to do workshops yeah through, yeah through oh, cool. kh so you can again find those on our on our website awesome so if you guys especially you mark being experienced with large format if um somebody who's heard what we're talking about tonight and is interested but then just goes online and it's just deer in headlights like they don't even know where to start where would you say is a good place for somebody to start if they want to get into large format so um, I'll, I'll jump into that one. So um, the Ansel Adams books, honestly, are is a great starting point. You can get them super, super cheap. Um, you know, the, the, the camera, the negative, and the print uh, in no particular order. Um, the writing in it is not anything that you see these days. I mean, just Ansel Adams really did pour his heart into those books and you can really tell just the bait, just on the way they wrote it. Um, uh, another book, uh, that I got that I first started that was recommended to me and I'm actually going to pass the knowledge on, um, is called using the view camera, um, a creative guide to large format photography, um, by Steve Simmons. Um, this is a very, very technical book, um, I mean, he goes into, I mean, I'm just looking on the back right here right now, just the body of the, the view camera, we, you know, with, that we just quickly just touched on, um, the different types of accessories, the lenses and shutters, um, you know, understanding the movements, uh, film characteristics, uh, film processing. He dives into, uh, the zone system, um, and, you know, just how to creatively use, um, the large format camera, cause it really does open up, uh, creativity on it. I mean, it looks very, very complex, but once you've actually played around with it, it's actually a very simple system. So, um, I haven't even scathed the, the top layer of my large format and what it's capable of doing. And, um, I, I've learned so much out of it. And it's actually, I feel like has made me a better photographer in general. Um, just as you were saying earlier, Mark, that it just slows you down. Um, you, you're much more deliberate on the shot that you're taking and that, uh, you know, the exposure that you're going to take is right. And that hopefully when you develop the film is exactly how you intended it to be. Um, so, I, I would like to yeah. add one thing to this is that, yeah. you know, these are great cameras, but with these, this type of camera, you need a very nice tripod. You do. Yes, that is very, that's, that's very critical true. in these cameras because you need something that's going to be heavy duty that can support yeah. the weight mm -hmm. because you're typically dealing with a, a camera system that's going to weigh five pounds at least. And the larger the format, the camera you go, the more exaggerated any kind of yeah. shake or movement has. So and, it and it's super stable. And the longer the lens, the more the mm -hmm. bellow has to be extended. And with any wind, it's like you've got a sail. Yep. So mm -hmm. you're dealing with that too. For there's, sure. there's a lot of decisions that go into purchasing the right large format uh, camera because, um, you know, I was hiking with mine. It was a monorail. And I, I learned very quickly after that. I was like, I can't do this with a monorail. I mean, Bad it just idea. it wore me out so badly. I mean, you know, I'm halfway up the mountain and I got my Pelican backpack and I was like, I can't do this. I bought the wrong camera. I, I love the camera to death, but I, I should have gotten something like this Wista. Um, and um, I'm seriously looking at, 
you know, a field camera as an option because they're, they fold up, they're compact, they, you know, they're significantly lighter uh, than the monorail, but the monorail also has its benefits as well, you know, like in the studio and there, you know, has a lot more movements um, or flexibility in doing those types of movements and all. So I've got an eight by 10 field camera if you're interested in it. Stop it. You keep bringing things that I want and have no reason to buy and no time to use, but I want them. This this whole series we're doing is going to be very dangerous for me and Bill. I know. It's, well, that Mamiya 7, somebody got it off of me. Yeah, so... Uh, there will probably be one. there will be another one, but I'm <laughs> just it's probably on. better uh, for me because yeah, I go, definitely would have been in trouble. Go with my to wife. the KH website and put it on your wish list. <laughs> yeah, so. That's right. Yes. And uh, so I was going to say too, if there's anybody listening out there who you shoot large format, you want to find out more about large format, engage with us on social media too. We yes. got a Facebook page, we got you know YouTube comment section, or maybe not the. Everyone should avoid the YouTube comment section just in life as a rule. <laughs> But engage with us on Facebook and Instagram, you know, Studio C41. We'd love to hear people's comments and thoughts about large format. Are you totally lost? Have you been shooting it since the 80s or longer? You know, do you have some hints and tips? 70s. 70s, you know? <laughs> um, and then also, too, if you don't know where to start buying gear, that's what KH has some amazing, amazing staff and salespeople yeah. who are experts at this stuff. No, they are. And, I mean, if somebody has a question for me, I mean, my um, email is m. M-A-I-O at KH.com. And again, you know, just go to the website, check out some of the stuff that's there. If you have any questions, there'll be, you know, a a number of people at KH that will be able to to answer. And if you have anything specific about using it, I'd be more than happy to, to talk to people. And that's fantastic. And if you have the the weird questions, we kind of thrive on that because we have a a staff of knowledge that is just incredible. Incredible. I'll see what weird questions I can come up with. (laughs) I've got somebody that can answer them. I I pretty much guarantee you that. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it's almost like I feel like I know nothing compared to what many of the people at KH do in terms of their knowledge of cameras and lenses and and photography in terms of what we sell, what we stock and what we buy. So that's, that's the, that's how you know you're at the right place mm-hmm. when there's people like that there. That's really cool. So, uh, Bill, I think it's, it's about that time. It is that time. Well, uh, in a couple of weeks, we are going to uh, record the 35 millimeter. So I can't wait to see what you guys can bring in on that. So you're going to make me want to like it now, aren't you, Brent? Oh, don't do it. <laughs> do not bring a like it. And that is going to be so There's mean. There's got to be at least like one good rangefinder or something oh, in here with that. So I've got a special one in mind that I'm going to bring that will pretty much blow you guys' mind. Oh, oh man, don't do it. I'm terrified and very <laughs> excited. So. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's pretty much it. Again, um, you know, follow us on Facebook. Uh, we got Twitter and uh, Instagram. All that stuff is set up. Um, you know, we, we really are um, growing very quickly on this. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely couldn't do it with uh, the viewership. You know, you guys that are already listening to us at episode six, it means the world to us. And, um, you know, th- we just love talking about it so much. And, and this this is a lot of fun for us. So I mean, we can always use suggestions for future shows. If there's stuff you want us to uh, ramble about um, or, you know, if there's potential guests or whatever it may be, go ahead and post it up there. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, uh, that is pretty much it. We're going to call it for now, but uh, not too much longer. We'll have uh, uh, two weeks. 35 millimeter, guys. All right. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys.